The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We're going to start the program off today with a couple of feedbacks that came in this week. We have a lot of feedbacks that we know people have questions for. These two happen to coincide with what a friend of Medjugorje wanted to speak about today. This one comes from the United Kingdom from John, and he writes, Good afternoon from the U.K., I have just been listening to the Radio Wave broadcast about the August 2nd message. I was really struck by a friend of Medjugorje's comments about us not winning anywhere at the moment. Not in the courts, not in the parliaments, nowhere. Immediately it came to mind what Sir Winston Churchill said after the war. Quote, up until El Alamein, we never had a victory. After El Alamein, we never had a defeat. Unquote. What is striking is that Pope Pius Twelfth made a genuine attempt to consecrate Russia to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart just one week before the Battle of El Alamein began in 1942. I'm filled with hope that a time will come, through the grace of Our Lady, when this war will also flip from constant defeat into perpetual victory for her Immaculate Heart. Thank you, Caritas. Well, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be victory. Our lady's coming here to triumph, and she will triumph. It's the question is, who's going to triumph with her? When our lady said on the second month, I'm with you, my mission is to help you for good to win. So she's saying the good will win. She's calling us to holiness. She's speaking about us. And she addresses this, adding an addition, even though this does not seem possible to you now. Because it's not possible. We've got to be built up in our fiber, our fasting, our prayer, our renunciation to see what LA is dressing. And she's, there's, we're being so multi fronted, battled, there's no way we would turn right now. Yvonne just had his apparition uh, August 4th, two days ago, on the mountain. 
And in four sentences, Our Lady said five times the word peace. And these were consecutive sentences. I call you, dear children, to pray through this time for peace. Pray for peace. May peace begin to reign in man's heart. May my son come to dwell in your hearts and bring you peace because he is, in your, he is your peace. Why is she saying that? When I says peace, 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 be worry of what is coming and what is she addressing. When she's saying peace, she doesn't mean we have peace. It means you better pray for peace. Is it something to be afraid of? Well, let's go and see how she ends the message a couple sentences later. Persevere in prayer. Then she says a sentence. It says, do not be afraid. Afraid? What is she addressing? I'm telling you, pray for peace. Because we're not in peace. We've got things happening so fast, so quickly. And all this has come from June 25th, 2014. 33 years of apparitions. The crucifixion. We said on that show, and we were telling people before, get ready for the 33rd year, because it's going to start unfolding. And we've seen things before this, but nothing that's irrational is the things we see now. Israel's accused of killing 10 people in a hospital. World War II, England continually bombed Berlin. How many innocent people were killed in that? It's war. Hitler killed them, not Britain. They had to defend it back. We have no logical understanding that what Israel did to Hamas when they fired a missile right out of the hospital because they were willing to kill, have these people killed knowing that we wouldn't fire back or Israel wouldn't fire back. They have to fire back. And those innocents are killed. It's not Israel's fault. They're texting and say, we're going to send a missile to you. They're, they're telling them beforehand to leave. They've been telling all the Palestinians, get out of there. They've done everything they could. We did a Hiroshima. We dropped three days before that something terrible is going to happen here. We got a big bomb. You need to, you need to leave. Get out of their area. Hamas is not doing that when they're going to Israel. Hey, we're fixing to, to fire on some military places. Get out. Who's the enemy? Who's the good guy? And not that Israel is not without blame. Everybody's always got fault. And Israel often was punished because of their sins. But in the just war teachings, Israel's perfectly okay in doing what they're doing. And Obama's condemning this action as hospital. I don't. Do you realize that this is a satanic thing against Israel? Do you realize Via Della Rosa there is there? Do you realize Calvary is there? St. Bernard, a thousand years ago, said the two greatest things in his life, he stood on Calvary and he fought in the Crusades. That was the greatest moments of a life. And you want Hamas or you want to go by this lie? Israel's doing something and protecting Christianity because Christians there and Muslims are in Israel. They're there defending something. They're defending the Holy Land just like the Crusaders do. You want to turn this over to Hamas? You want them not to fire missiles? It's amazing nothing's hit some of the sacred sites. The Church of Gethsemane, where Jesus wept over blood. That rock could be liberated. Do you realize that? Thank God Israel's doing what it's doing. But they say, oh, well, they're killing the kids. No, this is Hamas that's doing this. has nothing to do with Israel. They've tried to avoid everything they can, and they need to really drive them out and destroy them. Every one of the Hamas people. Because they're nothing but death, destruction, and they don't care about their own lives, nor anybody else's. So we see what this friend's writing to us from England. Yes, there's going to be consecutive victories. What we have to go through before that, because that didn't happen to, I think that was in 1942. So you got three years of Hitler marching, 39, 40, 41 to 42, and then a lot of battles and a lot of loss of life that way. Even though victories started coming at that point, look how many more of the Allied soldiers along with Americans were going to die. So don't think when our victories start coming, we still won't be suffering. People still won't be losing. We have to put everything into context. All these things need to be understood in in that way. And Israel Israel is really doing a great good for the world right now. And for Obama to criticize 
this bombing in this hospital is illogical. What do you expect them to do? I care. I've been to Israel. I've been on those holy sites. I've been to the Church of Nativity. They've, they've sent missiles right around that area outside of Jerusalem. So the Nativity, Bethlehem's only seven miles from Jerusalem. And they've already said they will not rest until Israel is destroyed from the face of the earth. So get your information correct and realize what's coming and why Our Lady's coming. And while we're not being, not we have to be good to be a win. If we're not good, if we're not holy, we won't do it. My mission, comma, is to help for help you for good to win. Help you for good to win. There's got to be a good. What is good? What is holy? And until we understand these fundamental things, we will never go anywhere with what we are asked to do by God. This second feedback comes from Vicki from Indiana, and it's actually connected to the read for today. She goes ahead and says, Dear friend of Medjugorje, I am deeply concerned with the breaking of the immigration laws or, or of our land and the invasion of our southern border. Many reports that are valid show that the bishops of the Catholic Church support this and have set aside funds to assist with this problem. They are encouraging these people to come here. This is wrong and deeply disturbing. This will destroy our country, overload the system, and bring us to destruction. I do not wish any of these people harm and would not physically harm any of them, but they need to go back where they came from and their own countries take care of them. I would like to know what you think about all of this and what you advise people to do. More and more chaos brought on by the incompetent in the White House. I know you are busy, would appreciate a response. Thank you and God's blessings. Well, in regards to our bishops, our lady says be in unity with them. In fact, the second I said to ask, I'm asking my son through love to grant you unity through him. That's the first thing we need. She's coming to Medjugorje. She's teaching the things about her son that she said even when her son walked the earth with her and she grew up along, he grew up alongside her, she didn't understand what he explained everything. Or he didn't, he, she didn't understand everything he explained to her as a child. But she believed and followed him. We believe Our Lady of Medjugorje and we're following her. We don't always have to understand everything. But we need to realize that she says be, be in unity. So I'm praying Asking my son through love to grant you unity through him. So that's the first thing. We have to be, as followers of Medjugorje, in unity with her son. And that's the Medjugorje people around the world are in, are growing in unity. Not more than any other group. Put the charismatic. You put every group together, every, every evangelization effort. There's nothing like Medjugorje people worldwide who are coming more in union with Christ. It's a fact. Every diocese of the world has that happening. So she wants that to grow. So it's already there. It's not that, oh, we got to do this now. We have already done it. That's why I gave up my company. That's why everybody here gave up their college degrees or careers, everything, the teaching, whatever they were doing, to come here, to come more in unity with her son. The second thing she says, then unity among you. So unity with Christ, once we have that as an individual, then she wants us to have unity among ourselves. That's why we're in community. That's why we're helping other communities. That's why we're helping programs. That's why we're helping that. And along with millions of other Medjugorje people that's doing the same thing. To come in unity together. So first, unity with him. Second, she says, unity among you. And thirdly, she says, unity between you and your shepherds. Is there a disconnect there? The most faithful people I know in the church are Medjugorje people worldwide. They want to be in unity with the bishops. They want to follow what they need to follow. But the bishops have to come to where we are. My second bishop, Bishop Boland, after several meetings, he says to me, he says, you know, even the convents and the monasteries are not doing what you're doing. 
I'm not saying that we're doing something special. We're following Our Lady. She showed us to get out in the rain and pray, go up hike in the mountains, to do sacrifices, to sit out every day between five and six, no matter what the weather, 365 days a year, to pray, to do our three rosaries at that time, now four rosaries a day, to pray three hours a day. And then work sometimes 16, 17, 18 hours. And it goes on and on and on. Fast twice a week. Fast nine days on bread and water. We have our children doing these things. Unity with him, she wants. Unity with each other, we're doing. And unity between you and your shepherds. We don't have that. If anything, the is suppressed mostly by bishops and even priests. We have good priests for it. We have good bishops out there. But by and large, we don't have those that are in union with us. Well, we're begging for it. We want to. But we're not going to go with the church and how things are being running right now. I'm not saying that in defiance of church teachings or the hierarchy. What I'm saying is we have a connection with the Holy Virgin Mary of Medjugorje. It's happening and it's real. And we're not going to vacate that. Don't think we're just going to lay over and walk away when you say you can't practice this or you can't go to the conferences. That's not going to happen. It's census fidelium. You come to us. Because our ladies also said, we can't do it without you. And if you're not going to do that, you're stymieing things as a bishop. Think about that. You're brave. You're very brave to have full confidence that you can do that or speak down or say that or I don't want somebody coming talking to my diocese about Medjugorje. You're a brave, brave individual. Because as a lady in church-approved apparitions in France, Several hundred years ago, when that bishop tried to stop her, the visionary, our lady told her, you tell them, the priests and the bishops, you who have been given power to call God down upon the altar have been given no power over me. It's frightening unless you're 100% certain you're right in what you're stopping. And if you're not, if you're not absolutely certain you're confident in what you're doing or you're indifferent to it, all I got to say is beware, because I've looked at these messages for years, for decades, have prayed three hours a day. Not every day, because life circumstances, but that's our practice. That's our structure. And I know it's real. I don't have to have the church approval for that. I have to have the church approval to officiate that. But it has credibility with me. There's nothing I've ever found in the church that says I can't have that in private devotions unless it's condemned. So if you want to do those things, condemn Medjugorje. Go ahead. Do that. But don't use the powers of condemnation that doesn't exist without condemning it. I say this only because the whole immigration thing, too. You're not in union with thinking on this. You're in union with, with, with Obama. It's demonic. Obama, I just read a question uh, a day or so ago. It says, is it possible that every decisive or every decision Barack Obama has made was actually intended to bring down the United States of America? Yes, it is. Yes. Every one of his decisions is demonic. It's about the basis of, of, of of the, what the church teaches, what scripture teaches, what Christianity's principles are about. So what else is it from? He's just misguided. This man thinks he's doing good. And that's where people don't understand what's taking place with Obama. They say, well, he's arguing. Don't he understand? He understands perfectly clear what he's doing. Just like Judas did. Judas thought he was doing good. Obama will never be content until he brings the United States of America down to its knees. He wants us to crash because he don't think it's a good place. He don't believe that. And so now he's putting the last thing out there when he said he was going to fundamentally transform the United States of America. He's overwhelming city, county, state, and federal government with thousands of illegals flooding across the border every day. And many of the bishops or their committees that advise him are for this. Where is wisdom? Where is it seen that we did not have any immigration from somewhere in the 1920s to 1960? Why, why was that? People think, oh, a country has just got to have immigration. Not true. Because we recognize so many people coming into a country 
doesn't give them time to assimilate. If they don't assimilate into a nation and become the nation's culture, society will destroy itself. Bishops, think about this. Read your Bible. It's scriptural. God knew the people and groups that come that refused to assimilate and became part of a nation would eventually destroy that nation. That's in the Bible. That's scriptural. That's why he told Moses time and time again, the Israelites, that anything, do not have anything to do with pagan culture surrounding you. Why? Because it is assimilated in them and they become pagans. Judas Maccabee had to start first driving out the Jews because they had become pagan. And then he, after that, went after the pagans. Worshiping pagan gods, we see this. We have witchcraft growing. We have everything that's contrary Hinduism, everything. New Age, all this is taking place. And we just want to welcome everybody because we are confused in our understanding of the good Samaritan. Well, we got to do this. We got to, nobody's not talking about taking care of people. But the first people you have to take care of is those who have the capability to take care of. And Obama wants this, this nation brought to its knees because he's going to re, re, he's going to transform it. Michelle Obama said that in 2008. And everybody should think about the way he said. He, she said, Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We're going to have to change our conversations. We're going to have to change our traditions, our history, comma, our history. What is she talking about? Change our history. We're going to go back and change history from the 20s to 1960, no immigration, because they knew the assimilation of being overran by people that didn't know how to become Americans and to live that way would change us to their way. Why are they fleeing from what they're, they're trying to get away from? And we're rapidly becoming that. Rapidly. I've been to Mexico several times. We got police escorts. The guy I go see, he's got police 24-7 in his house. Some of his neighbors have two police cars sitting in the house. They had to pay constantly for them. And there, if you leave your bike in the yard, they believe that you know it's going to be taken. So obviously, if you leave your bike in the yard, it means that you don't want your bicycle, and so they have a right to take it. You say, well, it's a Catholic country. They live paganism. So if you want your bicycle to keep, you have to go put it somewhere else. If you leave it out, there you're telling the, the thief that you don't mind that being stolen, so they justify and they say it's okay to do it. These people come in and do not know the basis of the principles of Western civilization. They've lost it. They've gone to paganism. Simple commandments like they shall not kill. They shall not steal. A foreign ideas in pagan culture. Mexico, they think nothing about killing people now. And other nations, and the drug cartel, they're totally pagan now. And so God commanded Israel, he did this in Deuteronomy. When he called all Israel together, he says, teach not only Israelites, but the foreigners within Israel, the Torah, so that all living in their country would know and what is expected of them and how to behave. We need Christian principles for everybody, no matter what their faith is, no matter what they don't believe, that there's a behavior code here in this country that you've got to assimilate into and become and become an American and want to. And for the bishops to sit there and give carte blanche, well, we just don't know what to do or whatever, whatever you're doing. A lot of Catholics are upset. But there's no unity between us and this thinking and this mentality. We love this nation. If you studied, you couldn't do this. You'd say, send them back. Because the first people you're responsible for is people in your diocese. And this individual who wrote, saying that what the bishops are doing is wrong, she's correct. Absolutely 100% correct. And we can't do what our lady's calling us to do, who comes down from heaven telling us about her son without you. And you have to come in union with us. You have to realize why we're doing all this Spanish stuff. It's divisive. My dad went to first grade speaking Italian. There was no Italian linguist there to teach him English. You know what she taught? She taught English and he learned English. 
Look up Noah Webster, bishops. Please look up his, his history. Learn the history of this country. Learn that Noah Webster came and worked on a dictionary for 20 years and said one of the greatest gifts we have for unity is one language. We've talked about this about air traffic control towers across the world. Even Cold War communist Russia against us spoke English because what happens when you don't have that and say, we're going to speak this or we're going to treat two languages. This is, this is divisive. It's setting up disaster. And it's a horrible, horrible thing to do. It's lacking our wisdom. It's lacking biblical truth to it. And we're creating two nations. And we're about to go from there. It won't stop. English has to be the language. Our bishops, you have to come in union with this and establish that. Don't put this first. Don't put it equal. You're building division. I tell you, this and everybody can see it. The whole healthcare came because the bishops wanted it. And look where we are now. And you say you stand up against it. And look where we are with it now. Hearing nothing, very little. Complaining. It's complaining. A letter goes out. And we're going to put out this. We are ready. Our Lady's calling us from heaven. We want to go and do what we have to do. We know it. We've been tried. We've been through fire. We've been doing this for two and a half, th- almost three decades. And we're all over the world. We are the people. It's by the sense of the belief of the people. Since this fidelium, join us, come in union and say to us, what do you need? How can I help you? Y'all are doing something very good. There's people converting to the Catholic faith. People can become Christians. Baptists becoming better Baptists. I just had a guy here. He was here in 1988. He wanted to see me. I went down to see him. He's been here many times. Every time Maria's come for an apparition. He's the head of the Aniston Star newspaper. Now the, Arth- um, I think they changed the name. He was just telling me. He loves Our Lady. He's been here since 1988. He admires this work. And he's Protestant. He's Protestant. And I'm content with that. Because he has her as his devotion. And this can be duplicated, not 1,000, not 10,000, not 100,000, not even millions, tens of millions of times. Bishops, you cannot wait any longer for this. You can't sit there and wait. If you don't believe in Medjugorje, have no problem with that. But free up the people. Encourage them to do whatever they need to do. And if you don't like the spirituality, so be it. You don't like charismatics or you like this faction or this faction. We are, have a right to administrated the gifts of the church. And you're not giving them to the people that can do the most with it. Because dollar for dollar, hour for hour, prayer for prayer, nothing is converting like Medjugorje. There is nothing you get. There's no evangelization community uh, committee you have, no advisory board you have. Nothing does what Medjugorje does. Just wake up. What are you thinking? I'm not saying this to be disrespectful. I'm telling you to wake up because your head will be on a guillotine if you don't stop it. You brought it with health care. You bring it with immigrants. You bring it with the languages. Read and study the United States of America's founding and the principles what this nation is founded upon. I'm begging you. I'm not shouting at you. Your bishops, we have to obey you in all matters of jurisdiction. But the church gives us the right for private devotion, and you can't stop that. You should never stop it. But let it go. I'm okay with you not believing it. I'm okay you're not being sure with it. But get out of the way. Meaning, I bless you whatever you can do. You're helping to propagate the faith. You're, you're populating heaven. It's proven. This is not something we're coming up theoretically where we have these committees and we're going to do this thing and we're going to have renew like we had several years ago. All these thought out, strategic, strategized things that has never really worked. It's time to stop. It's time to free Medjugorje. It's time to get off the fence with what you allow in your diocese. Invite it. Encourage it. We're not asking you to participate it. In fact, Our Lady doesn't want that participation because repeatedly says, Our Lady, she's talking to us as children are my apostles. Louis de Montfort said it. Our Lady would come 
come at a time when she would raise up apostles of the latter days and they will be purified as the children of Levi. I'm not asking not to be persecuted. And I don't think nobody else to measure greatness because that's cognition. It's giving us a fiber. It's giving me the strength of what I'm saying now to confront this problem because we want your unity with us. I'm not going to go there with the immigrations or what you say, or the healthcare, how this evolved to this point. There's something very, very wrong in the church. Very, very much an error. And you can't appease everybody. You got to stand on the principles. You got to tell America, people come here, this is America. You join the nation and you can't let the floodgates come in. You can't open it like that without disassembling the United States of America. And Obama's behind this. Israel gathered the people together, all the women and children. Scripture says, And thy stranger that is within their gates, the immigrants, that they may hear and they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe, observe to do all the words of this law. We don't have to apologize for being a Christian nation imposing Christian principles, and we don't have to go to court and say everybody has an equal say on that. No. This nation is Christian. Read, they find the first shot. Read, look what happened when I was sleeping. It's there. Many people say they're giving this to the bishops. They don't read it. One priest has sent a letter to all his priests in his diocese saying, beware of friend of Mejigoya. Why? Show me where I'm a heretic. Show me where I'm against the church. Show it to me. I want to see it. I'll change. I'll mitigate that. But I'm not giving heresy. I'm not attacking the church. I'm not being Martin Luther naming 96 theses on the wall. I'm saying, join us. Bring the unity we're searching for. And if nothing else, it's just to say, okay, y'all do good work. Over and over and over. Somebody here is from Connecticut. He tells me that they were going to do something about Medjugorje, put up a banner. The priest come back, his head's shaking after you talk to the bishop. The priest says, no, he's not going to let this here. You don't have the authority to do that, bishop. You do not have the authority, bishop, to do that, you're, even though you're a pope of your diocese, because you, you're doing condemnation actions against private devotion that's allowed by the church. I don't need a canon lawyer to do that. Why are you sitting there listening to him? Go study it yourself. People everywhere are struggling and it's why our lady says on that every second of every month, go look. Go look, bishops. Every second of the month, our lady says, pray for your shepherds. Every second of the month, she says, pray for your shepherds that they not get lost. Then she says, you got to be in union. You, you get this, well, second, praying for unity between you and your shepherds. This issue about immigration or not, and Pope Francis says we can, we can argue and, and not agree with the Pope on that himself. Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict said the same thing. You don't have to agree with me on this. I don't agree with you. And I don't only agree. You're dead wrong about it. If you study history, you'd agree to that. Come out of the woodworks, bishops who know these things. Start standing up. We are begging you, please stand up. You would have standing ovations if you just said what I said in the pulpit. You'd have people prostrating themselves before the Eucharist. Just like in Medjugorje, which renewed confession all, all over the world, which renewed fasting all over the world. I was just reading about the fasting that required, if you're uh, 18 to 59, you don't have to do this no more. I'm 61. I thought, wow, I don't have to fast no more. And the fasting they require is one meal, that's not a complete full meal, and snack, two snacks. We're not in kindergarten. Yesterday was Our Lady's birthday, August 5th. You don't agree with that, and I know that, and, but that's what Our Lady said, and I believe it. And the church is going to, I'm going to give you a prediction. The church will change from September 8th to August 5th. I'm going to wait for that. Right now, I'll celebrate September 8th and August 5th, because Our Lady Miserable said that's her birthday. I didn't want to eat nothing yesterday. It was her birthday. I wanted to give that to her. I, all I drank was water, no food, nothing. And 61, that's nothing. Nothing at all for me to do. It's the least I can do. And the church has it where we can't eat meat on Friday. We can. We got Ash Wednesday. A lady herself said, I think it was in the 90s, that the Catholic Church 
has forgotten fasting in the last quarter century. That's her words. So don't get mad at me what I'm saying. And if you want to discount her and say this is not happening, she didn't say that because the reparation is not real. So be it. Go ahead. Go your way. Because August 25th, 1997, already says... Now you do not understand, but soon will come a time you'll lament for these messages. I'm telling you, bishops, you're going to be really, really sad when that day comes. If you don't at least allow what needs to flourish, flourish. Don't keep uprooting it. Don't keep stopping it. And I know sometimes that's good for the church. It's good for the saints. It's good for the movements. It's good for what... I accept all that. I don't have a problem with it. But when you're acting as if it's condemned, I've got a big, big problem. Unless you judicially or, or legally get that power by condemnation, you have to condemn it. If you're going to use those things, condemn it. I want you to condemn it if you're going to use that power. Otherwise, don't use that power. You don't have it. So in answering this question, we've got Obama who's very demonic in what he's doing. We got Michelle Obama in 2008 saying, we're going to change our conversations. We're going to make sacrifices. We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. And we got Ebola, uh, Ebola that was written about real clearly. I'm real suspect where this Ebola came from. We got three nations in Africa. All of a sudden this comes up. I'm real suspect because I was doing research on this, praying about this years ago. What we're going to read is from... A friend of Edgegoria's book, Look What Happened While You Were Sleeping, that he wrote in 2006. It was published in 2007. And it's a longer read than what we normally do, but it's a chilling read in light of the reports now coming in about Ebola coming into the United States. And it starts, In March 2006, the Texas Academy of Science at Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas, hosted a gathering for scientists. Dr. Eric R. Pianca gave a speech in which several hundred of his scientist colleagues rose to their feet and gave a standing ovation. Dr. Pianca, a University of Texas evolutionary ecologist and lizard expert, was named and awarded by the Academy of Texas Scientists, the 2006 Distinguished Texas Scientist Award. The central point of Pianca's speech was to condemn anthropocentrism. Anthropocentrism, as touched on earlier in this book, is defined as the consideration of man as being the most significant entity of the universe, interpreting or regarding the world in terms of human values and experience. Pianca condemned the biblical order of man as stewards over creation, clarifying his belief that man does not have a privileged position in the universe through a story he told. He said his neighbor asked him, what good are the lizards that he studies? He answered, what good are you? Pianca hammered his point home by exclaiming, We're no better than bacteria. He went on to say that planet Earth was being devastated by overpopulation since the sharp increase in population at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution and to restore the planet before it's too late, quick steps must be taken. He said the Earth as we know it will not survive without drastic measures. With over 400 Texas scientists listening intently, he then asserted, The only feasible solution to saving the earth is to reduce the population to 10% of the present number. One of the scientists listening immediately decided to turn science reporter and began taking notes. Dr. Forrest Mims realized something was up when at the beginning of Dr. Pianca's speech, he saw a scene in which a video cameraman, against the cameraman's objections, was told to turn the video camera off and point it to the ceiling. The organizers wanted to keep the speech closed for the science community. In fact, Pianca said the general public is not yet ready to hear what he was about to say. 
At the beginning of his speech, Forrest Mims worked at his notes. Following is from the notes Mims took of Pianca's speech. War and famine would not do, Pianca explained. Instead, disease offered the most efficient and fastest way to kill the billions that must soon die if the population crisis is to be solved. AIDS is not an efficient killer, Pianca explained, because it is too slow. His favorite candidate for eliminating 90% of the world's population is airborne Ebola, Ebola Reston, because it is both highly lethal and it kills in days instead of years. However, Professor Pianca did not mention that Ebola victims die a slow and torturous death as the virus initiates a cascade of biological calamities inside the victim that eventually liquefy the internal organs. After praising the Ebola virus for its efficiency at killing, Pianca paused, leaned over the lectern, looked at us, and carefully said, quote, We've got airborne 90% mortality in humans. Killing humans. Think about that. Unquote. The audience had been applauding some of his statements. After a dramatic pause of that particular statement, Pianca t- returned to politics and environmentalism. But he revisited his call for mass death when he reflected on the oil situation. And the fossil fuels are running out, he said. So I think we may have to cut back to two billion, which would be about one third as many people. Unquote. So the oil crisis alone may require eliminating two thirds of the world's population. How soon must the mass dying begin if Earth is to be saved? Apparently, fairly soon. For Bianca suggested he might be around when the killer disease goes to work. Pianca is 67 years old. When Pianca finished his remarks, the audience applauded. It wasn't merely a smattering of polite clapping that audiences diplomatically reserve for poor or boring speakers. It was a loud, vigorous, and enthusiastic applause. Then came the question and answer session. After noting that the audience did not represent the general population, a questioner asked, What kind of reception have you received as you have presented these ideas to other audiences that are not representative of us? Pianca replied, I speak to the converted. He spoke glowingly of the police state in China that enforces their one-child policy. With this, the questioning was over. Immediately, almost every scientist, professor, and college student present stood to their feet and vigorously applauded the man who had enthusiastically endorsed the elimination of 90% of the human population. Some even cheered. Dozens then mobbed the professor at the lectern to extend greetings and ask questions. It was necessary to wait a while before I could get close enough to take some photographs. Five hours later, the the distinguished leaders of the Texas Academy of Science presented Pianca with a plaque in recognition of his being named the 2006 Distinguished Texas Scientist. When the banquet hall, filled with more than 400 people, responded with enthusiastic applause, I walked out in protest. Recently, I exchanged a number of emails with Pianca. He replied that Ebola does not discriminate kills everyone, and could spread to Europe and the Americas by a single infected airplane passenger. A review of the majority of his student reviews were favorable, with ones even saying, I worship Dr. Pianca. The 45-minute lecture before the Texas Academy of Science converted a university biology senior into a Pianca disciple, who then published a blog that seriously supports Pianca's mass death wish. Let me now remove my reporter's hat for a moment and tell you what I think. We live in dangerous times. The national security of many countries is at risk. Science has become tainted. Must now we worry that a Pianca worshiping former student might someday become a professional biologist or physician with access to the most deadly strains of viruses and bacteria? I believe that airborne Ebola is unlikely to threaten the world outside of Central Africa. 
But scientists have regenerated the 1918 Spanish flu virus that killed 50 million people. There is concern that smallpox might someday return. And what other terrible plagues are waiting out there in the natural world to cross the species barrier and to which scientists will one day have access? Meanwhile, I still can't get out of my mind the pleasant spring day in Texas when a few hundred scientists of the Texas Academy of Science gave a standing ovation for a speaker who they heard advocate for the slow and torturous death of over 5 billion human beings. So these people spilling over the borders include people from up to 75 different nations. And we got the Center of Disease Control, Thomas Friedman, saying, this director, on July 31st, that Ebola spread in the United States is not in the cards. We want to trust him. We want to believe that. We got a doctor saying this. Did they even start this to see a test run? Everything's corrupt right now. Are they just coming because things are very bad? You think it's just natural? I'm very suspect of this, especially after you read that. This was in 2006. And so we know that we found people crossing the Mexican border from West Africa. This is happening right now. And then we hear it's not very contagious, really? Then why does the World Health Organization, known as WHO, say it's the worst on record? Speaking about the Ebola breakout in three different countries in West Africa. And it's spreading out of control. While the hazmat, the doctors, the nurses, two already have died from Ebola. And all the special expensive isolation units for Ebola patients. It's in sharp contrast. It's downplaying. And then we just come over with not even this, but many, many of the diseases. There's already been reports that they've, they've had to put some people uh, in maybe bases in medical facilities, some of these kids coming over the borders, and they won't tell us what it was that they have. And they say this Ebola won't go through, uh, through the air. Well, there's another thing called Ebola, uh, I think it's R-E-S-T-O in Ruston, that is airborne. Well, he was talking about being airborne. Dr. Polanka. So we have committees informing our people in our church making decisions. They're not even informed. Do your own research. Nobody's got to sell this. The lady, I think it was the lady who wrote this letter, feedback, read the back last part, what she, what she said about the bishops. Many reports that are valid show that the bishops of the Catholic Church support this and have set aside funds to assist with this problem. They are encouraging these people to come here. This is wrong and deeply disturbing. The bishops are very powerful standing up to this immigration to stop it. We don't need this kind of immigration. We're not anti-immigration. I'm Italian. My grandfather came over, and many people can trace their roots to that. But we wasn't senseless. We wasn't lacking the wisdom that we even stopped it in the 1920s to allow these people are my people, and perhaps your people, to assimilate in America. It's just simple logic. And it's illogical to do what we're doing. And don't think it's being good. It's done. Suddenly it just happens about two months ago, all these youth coming in. They must go back to protect our own youth, or we won't have any youth that grew up that can hold on to this country. And you who are in power, you who have a voice, you could say something. And I'm speaking to the bishops to not get on this and stand up from the right way with it. It's your inheritance. It's your inheritance. And this woman is the only one we hear from over and over and over. And we have to repeat to him, I says, pray for the bishops. They need to be in union with us. But we're growing. We're growing in a way that we are growing up, just like I said, in the second month message of August. I know that you do not understand many things, as I did not understand everything, everything that my son explained to me while he was growing up alongside me. But I believed him and I followed him. I ask this of you also to believe me and follow me. I am following Our Lady in all areas that the church has given me freedom to do it. 
And many people are doing that around the world. And many people are being stopped around the world in areas that there's no jurisdiction to stop them for unless condemnation takes place. And so it is. We're supposed to be getting fed. We just headed into the gospel this past Sunday. Jesus feeding the 5,000. And Jesus separated just before that. They followed him out there in the desert, deserted place. And the apostles came to him, said, let him go. Now he says, now feed him. And basically, what happens in the parable, if you want to make this a parable, although it's a real thing, I'm not saying it's not real, it's real, what really happened. But let's make it into a parable, and then Jesus explains it. Jesus separates. He says, feed him. And they, they tell Jesus, no, we got to let him go. You, you, I'll feed him. You feed him. Jesus says, no, you feed him. You're the apostles. You feed him. And this is what I'm saying to do now. You've got to come to us and be in union with us because we're already in union with you. But we don't have it on the other side. We walked all the way to that. We're at the, as far as we can go into the diocese or into the parishes. And we were told somewhere in <clears throat> New York or somewhere in San Diego that the priest won't let me say the rosary and have a Medjugorje thing. What are you thinking? What are you stopping? It's very dangerous because the world is a dangerous, dangerous place on the brink of catastrophic disaster. The answer is coming through Jesus' mother. And when you stand against it, you stand against her. You who have been given power to call God down upon the altar have been given no power over me. I'm going to listen to her. And I'm going to obey the church. I'm going to respect the bishops. Free us. For you out there, the Medjugorje people, those who follow our lady, those who see miracles, see conversions, marriages saved, sicknesses healed, the list goes into the millions and millions and millions of things. For you, if you have a bishop that's with you, thank him. Tell him how much you appreciate it. And for the bishop that doesn't, confront him. It's time to do that. There's no time to waste. Wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.